Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are on this wonderful morning. Or you could be listening to this in the afternoon or evening. I hope you are having a fantastic part of your day. This is Robert Bolden with Life Transformed. And this is Coffee in Christ. You guys, I had an interesting situation yesterday. Anchor, who I use to do my podcast recording, changed their format. Um, Looks like they updated things. A lot of positive changes. So I recorded, I thought was probably my best podcast ever yesterday. And of course, it did not get recorded. I thought it was being recorded, but it wasn't. And maybe it is. Maybe it's somewhere... Um, <laughs> somewhere uh, deep inside of Anchor, and I'll come across it one day. So you're getting a bonus. You're going to get a Friday Coffee in Christ today. And as far as I can tell, this is recording this time, so I'm, I'm pretty excited. So again, this is a um, glimpse. Is this, if this is your first time listening to this podcast, I do this morning devotional every day. And once a week, I recorded as part of this podcast. So it's insight into my life and my walk with Jesus. And uh, some amazing things happen along the way on this podcast. So um, buckle up and let's get this party started. So the verse of the day today, let's get home here, is... This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust him. So powerful. Again, you can easily gloss over, and this is Psalms 91, uh, 2. It's easy to gloss over something like this and just read it and keep going. But this I declare about the Lord. When you declare something... I always take that as making a public statement that you're declaring. And when you declare it, your credibility is on the line, your trustworthiness, your authenticity, your integrity. Because when you declare it publicly, you're saying to people, this is who I am. And and in this case, this, this I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge alone. There is nothing else, nowhere else that I can get refuge except for in the Lord. Isn't that amazing? You guys think into that. It isn't in money. It isn't in security. It isn't in another person. It isn't in your identity in terms of what you do, what you have, if you're a dad, if you're a mom, if you're a sister, if you're a brother. No. In the Lord alone. That is my refuge my place of safety. That's the only place, right? That is where safety comes from. Again, it isn't those other things that we talked about. And in my world, oh, coffee's good this morning. My world, that's what Satan does. He wants you to place safety in all these things of the flesh. Insurance and benefits and medical and, you know, all that crazy stuff. Not true. He is my God and I trust him. And when, you know, just knowing how much he loves us and what he did for us. 
I mean, really, why wouldn't we trust him? And if we say we trust him, if we're declaring it, our actions need to reflect what we've declared or else we will, of course, be disingenuous in all the stuff that goes flows downhill from that. So this is really powerful. And I love, again, setting aside the time to do this each day because it's easy to get caught up in just starting the day with the busy stuff of, of the day. But I will guarantee you, if you start your day this way every day, your life will be enhanced. If you create that habit and make it a priority, it's going to serve you in ways that you will not even imagine. Okay, let's go to the devotional. And today we are talking about signals of change, discernment. So this is all about transition, this particular devotional. Train me, Lord, to press the pause button before reacting. In that pause, I ask for your wisdom and guidance. Viktor Frankl's experience in concentration camps led him to identify that one key aspect of being human is that between stimulus and response, there is a space. And that space is our power to choose our response. You know, so interesting. I listened to a podcast this morning from Russell Brunson, and he was quoting Tony Robbins, something he heard 10, 12 years ago, and it's meaning. And the context is whenever you something happens in your life, you immediately um, put meaning to it. The example Tony used when his mentor, Jim Rohn, passed away, the first thing that popped into his head, the first meaning he put on it was, oh, I'm sad, I'm, I, I didn't get to speak to him at the end, and all these things. So he's like, wow, that is the meaning I put to it. So that impacts how I move forward. What if you... I'm coupling these two things. What if you pause and change that meaning to, oh my goodness, I want to reflect and rejoice and celebrate all the richness that that man brought to my life. You are going to react and act totally different. So I love the way those two things come together here. That choice for Nehemiah was shaped by using the space to mourn, fast, and pray before taking action. Strong emotion may be a signal for change, but in the pause, we ask for God's wisdom to shape and direct our response. I love that. Reminds me of something else that I um, came across in the Bible not too long ago, and I, and I may have shared it on this pod or not, I don't know. And that was to um, acknowledge emotion, good or bad, and see, for my whole life, I was a person that if I had a bad emotion, anger, fear, resentment, whatever it may be, I would not acknowledge it. I'd suppress it. I'd just keep going. I'm like, nope, not even acknowledging it. I'm just going to go. Well, that's not healthy. It really isn't. So what I learned in the Bible was acknowledge that emotion, but don't act on it. Act on wisdom. Act on the Holy Spirit. So that is another way to do that pause. So I just, my visual is I have a negative emotion and I, and I would always acknowledge the positive emotions, but not the negative. Now, if I have a negative emotion, I hold it up in front of my face and I've got my hand in the air. 
I acknowledge it. Oh yeah, I'm angry. I don't act on it angry. The pause, as we're talking about today. And then I act in wisdom. I act the way the Holy Spirit would have me act. So powerful. And this is from Nehemiah 1. They said to me, Things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down, and the gates have been destroyed by fire. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. So, what is this telling you today? And this is a great compliment to what I learned sorry (laughs) I am trying to type too fast about assigning meaning And the pause is so necessary to follow the Holy Spirit. I love that. So good. (laughs) Uh, love it all right you guys so now we're going to move on to the book of Deuteronomy Hmm. and again I am my friend Stephanie and I are working through the Old Testament and that was quite the coincidence nothing's really a coincidence we know God has got this planned but Her and I both are relatively new to God, and we were having a conversation one day, and we were both starting to read the Bible from the beginning. (laughs) So we thought, ah, we should do this together. So we get together once a week. We kind of recap whatever we've read, and in this case, it's Deuteronomy. So let's go. We are in Deuteronomy 22, and I'll warn you, the Old Testament can get kind of crazy sometimes. Remember... It was written, not for us, it was written for the people of that time. So just think of this as a story. So you're, you're learning the story of God and how he created this world and how, you know, Adam and Eve had original sin and brought sin into the world and God, you know, wanting to love us so much and, and, and show us the way. So... In the beginning, he's a pretty strict God because, you know, in the beginning, just like with little kids and Caitlin, my friend, who is a who is a teacher, I think she did like really little, four years, four years old, maybe I can't remember exactly. But she said, yeah, this reminds me of what I have to do with new kids in the beginning of the year, be very strict in the beginning so that the rest of the year will go well. Well, this is the same way God uh, worked from what I've been able to discern. Um through the Old Testament in the beginning. So this is Deuteronomy 22. If you see your fellow Israelites' ox or sheep straying, do not ignore it, but be sure to take it back to its owner. If they do not live near you 
Or if you do not know who owns it, take it home with you and keep it until they come looking for it. Then give it back. Do the same if you find their donkey or cloak or anything else they have lost. Do not ignore it. If you see your fellow Israelites donkey or ox fallen on the road, do not ignore it. Help the owner get it to its feet. A woman must not wear men's clothing, nor a man wear women's clothing. I don't know where that came from right out of the blue. <laughs> For the Lord your God detests anyone who does this. You know, now this is so interesting. Right in the middle of that, he throws in, that's Deuteronomy 22.5. Ah, so funny. If you come across a bird's nest beside the road, either in a tree or on the ground, and the mother is sitting on the young or on the eggs, do not take the mother with the young. You may take the young, but be sure to let the mother go, so that it may go well with you, and you may have a long life. When you build a new house, make a parapet around your roof, so that you may not bring the guilt of bloodshed on your house if someone falls from the roof. Again, I'm sure, very practical for those days. I don't even know what a parapet is. <laughs> oh my goodness. Parapet. Parapet. Anyway, do not plant two kinds of seed in your vineyard. If you do, not only the crops you plant, but also the fruit of the vineyard will be defiled. Do not plow with an ox and a donkey yoked together. Now that whole yoke thing is so important, you guys. I've learned this um, repeatedly and hopefully for good this time. Um, you have to be equally yoked. This is so good. Um, and we'll talk more about that at some point. But yeah, equal, equally yoked, especially in relationships, is so important. Do not wear clothes of wool and linen woven together. Make tassels on the four corners of the cloak you wear. Okay, again, very random tassels. All right. Marriage violations. If a man takes a wife and, after sleeping with her, dislikes her and slanders her and gives her a bad name, saying... I married this woman, but when I approached her, I did not find proof of her virginity. Then the young woman's father and mother shall bring to the town elders at the gate proof that she was a virgin. Her father will say to the elders, I gave my daughter in marriage to this man, but he dislikes her. Now he has slandered her and said, I did not find your daughter to be a virgin. But here is the proof of my daughter's virginity. Then her parents shall display the cloth before the elders of the town, and the elders shall take the man and punish him. They shall find him a hundred shekels of silver and give them to the young woman's father, because this man has given an Israelite virgin a bad name. She shall continue to be his wife. He must not divorce her as long as he lives. If, however, the charge is true and no proof of the young woman's virginity can be found, she shall be brought to the door of her father's house, and there the men of her town shall stone her to death. Whoa, this is some serious stuff here. She has done an outrageous thing in Israel by being promiscuous while still in her father's house. You must purge the evil from among you. Just imagine living in those times, you guys. Oh, wow. I mean, we, <laughs> dare, dare I say, we've strayed a long way from that as a society here in the United States. There is no doubt about that. If, however, the charge is true and no proof of the young woman's virginity... Oh, I already read that part. Sorry. Um, stone her to death. She has done an outrageous thing in Israel by being promiscuous while still in her father's house. You must purge the evil from among you. And that, that's a theme you'll see consistently in the beginning of this Old Testament. Is God's punishment is really strict 
especially in the beginning. And it's meant to signal a warning to everybody and to be passed on from generation to generation. If a man happens to meet in a town a virgin pledged to be married and he sleeps with her, you shall take both of them to the gate of that town and stone them to death. The young woman, because she was in a, in a town and did not scream for help, and the man, because he violated another man's wife. You must purge the evil from among you. But if out in the country a man happens to meet a young woman pledged to be married and rapes her, only the man who has done this shall die. Do nothing to the woman. She has committed no sin deserving death. This case is like that of someone who attacks and murders a neighbor. For the man found the young woman out in the country, and though the betrothed, betrothed woman screamed, there was no one to rescue her. So there's a little compassion there. Good. If a man happens to meet a virgin who is not pledged to be married and rapes her, and they are discovered, he shall pay her father 50 shekels of silver. He must marry the young woman, for he has violated her. He can never divorce her as long as he lives. A man is not to marry his father's wife. Well, that's a good thing. He must not dishonor his father's bed. Okay, so that's very... <laughs> and I kind of talked about it as we went through. Some random stuff there. Um, again, we have to take all of this into context. This was not written for us. It was written for those people at that time. So think of it as the story of God. And again, he wants to make sure that the people are off to a good start and that they pass these teachings on from generation to generation. And as we continue through this journey, I think it'll become more and more evident. This is my guess since I haven't read the full Old Testament that, you know, when God finally decides to send his son here, <laughs> he's, he's about at the end of his rope. He's tried everything. <laughs> That's my guess anyway. Okay, so now let's go to Miss Sarah Young for her verse of the day. Waiting, trusting, and hoping. That is in bold. Are intricately connected, like golden strands interwoven to form a strong chain. Trusting is the central strand because it is the response from my children that I desire the most. Waiting and hoping embellish the central strand and strengthen the chain that connects you to me. Waiting for me to work with your eyes on me is evidence that you really do trust me. If you mouth the words, I trust you, remember earlier that I trust in the Lord from our first little reading this morning. Isn't it amazing how they're tied together today? And they did that yesterday too. This is just amazing. Okay, so if you mouth the words, I trust you, while anxiously trying to make things go your way, your words ring hollow. Oh my. Think about that. Have you done that? <laughs> Have you done that before? I trust you, but then you're scurrying around trying to take control yourself. I've seen that since God is new to me. Once I've read that, I'm like, nope, not doing that anymore. But I think, you know, I've encountered lots of people throughout my life after finding God because it you know, I become more aware because I can see it. You know, they, they, yeah, you see that happen and it's like, oh my goodness. And, and it's honoring your word when you, it's back to that declaration when you declare that you trust in the Lord and then your actions 
don't support that trust, here it says your words ring hollow. Hoping is future directed, connecting you to your inheritance in heaven. However, the benefits of hope fall fully on you in the present. Because you are mine, you don't just pass time in your waiting. You can wait expectantly in hopeful trust. Keep your antenna out to pick up even the faintest glimmer of my presence. That was big yesterday, and I love that it reinforces that again today. Everybody out there listening and share this podcast, do everything. Um, God has got great things in store for you today. You just have to be open to it, right? There's going to be a little glimmer, but you have to be open. You have to be aware. You have to be looking for it. You have to be in the present moment. The present moment is the key. You must be in the present moment and accept and just, you know, we've got um, a couple ladies um, here to do packing and I met them yesterday and they're just fantastic women and, you know, followers of Jesus and I had the, the music playing and everything and, you know, you just feel like, wow, this is really cool. You know, God does these things. These are little winks. Just little winks to let you know what what is going on, right? And that he is there. He's present. Okay, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. And that was out of John 14, 1. And then wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Psalm 27. And now we're going to go to Hebrews. I love Hebrews. This is Hebrews 6, 18 to 20. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Hopefully I said that right. <laughs> but isn't that just so great? Um, yeah, God is amazing. He loves us so much. And all he's asking for is our heart. All he's asking for is for us to surrender and trust in him. Because the plan he ha- plans he has for us are amazing. So, you know, everybody take a deep breath and just live in the present moment. Don't live in the past. Yesterday I talked about, uh, which you didn't get to hear. (laughs) I talked about, you know, don't live in the past. That can do serve you not at all. I am a proponent of spending some intentional time each day thinking about the future, your future vision, your future state, because if you don't have that big vision, then you're never going to get there. And it's who you become on the way that really counts not exactly not um, achieving that exact vision so so important all right that's going to wrap up coffee and christ today this is robert bolden life transformed getting people out of isolation and into community that's where god designed us to be in community from this world's success to god's world significance I am the intentional gatherer. So catch me next Monday for Love, Spaces, and Places, wherever you find podcasts. Um, If you could just, uh, what is it, like? 
I don't know. <laughs> I can't think of the words now. Subscribe to this part, podcast. That would be great. I haven't tried to monetize it yet, but I will at some point. So subscribe to it. Share it with your friends. Uh, I appreciate y'all so much. Have a great and fantastic rest of your day.